podcasting. <laughs> That's just good content. LaCroix flavor for the today. LaCroix tint is a uh, passion fruit, everyone. Uh, the code word for today is passion, passion fruit. fruit. So we have on the show with us today, we have a fellow, fe- a fellow podcast coming to you live, live in podcast from the Met Gala, uh, from the, <laughs> on the evening of the Met Gala, where that we're dressed in the fanciest clothes you, you can imagine. Um, we have a fellow podcaster, artist, uh, improviser, and sketch performer, Sander, uh, Sander Randall. Uh, yeah, Sander, I, who are you wearing? I'm wearing uh, my own getup. I made this nice today. Um, <laughs> See the colors are out there, you guys. I know it's like, and it's the dog is chewing on my pants, so that should give you a hint Maybe. what my pants are made of. Dog, <laughs> <laughs> you look every bit as in full bloom as the outside world. I mean, you guys took some risks. Thanks, Sandra. I did. Uh, I am wearing um, the uh, dress made entirely of tofu. Uh, it's meat-based tofu, so I ensured that there was as much suffering involved with it as Lady Gaga's dress. Is none of the taste. I am wearing a shirt that was made by Filipino children for Filipino children, and I'm ready to just like burst out of it like the Incredible Hulk. You look the best. But yeah, Sander. So I did. I loved your podcast. Oh, I got to show you too. That um, I'll show you in a second. But the the you did the podcast the, that you linked to me. We'll share the link to it. Um, or maybe we'll re, maybe we'll use the SoundCloud re retweet feature or the recloud oh, feature. Shit. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know the reciprocal podcasting there, and. Uh, uh, the poet, the poet you interviewed, what's his name again? Bill Keys. Bill Keys. Yeah. We have a poem from Bill Keys, and I'll show. I'll I would be surprised you. if you didn't, because he writes so many per day, and yeah. he's been around. He's been in New York forever. Who, so. what, t- give me some background. Well, he's. I mean, he's the guy you should be interviewing. Um, he's been in New York for you know over ten years. Does uh, writes poetry every day for money. That's how he makes a living. Um, and, you know, you go up to him, you talk to him, and he kind of, like, processes it all, and then on his typewriter. Where can he... Oh, is he the guy in the subway? Uh, subway, park, Highline. Hey, you want to know what's like disappointing? Is that this is not Bill Keys. This is another guy who's Different doing guy? street poetry. Oh, no. <laughs> there was a... What did your guys look like? There was, there was one guy that used to set up shop between the E and the 6, uh, and he um, was, like, a skinny white guy no, no, this, with glasses. No, the, this guy was a black guy with uh, yeah. glasses. Okay. Also glasses. I guess poet. Every poet, poet has glasses. Yeah, he's a, he's a black guy with a cool beard and glasses. That's cool. all I remember. Yeah, from Bill Key's like an older guy with gray hair, ponytail. Okay. Uh, okay. So this guy's name is Lynn Gentry. Um, when we I had him write me a poem about dinosaurs. What was the the background of this? I mean, what? Paint me paint me a picture. It was July twenty first, twenty fifteen. The New York Mets were on their way to winning the pennant that year, but we were making our walking around. It's on Seventh Avenue and Third Street here in Park Slope. Meg and I were early days dating, weren't even living together at that point. And then I was like, you know, it'd be funny, a poem about dinosaurs. And then <laughs> I gave him five and bucks. And Meg found this cute, and you're like, wow. She, was she like obsessed? <laughs> she was yeah, like, yeah, this, was guy, like, this guy knows where my heart's at. Yeah, exactly. She's like, bingo. Uh, I've, I've struck gold. I struck <laughs> partnership gold. Um, the dinosaurs of now sit in neatly constructed pile... Pl- uh, Pile placed for people at the Natural History Museum. Let let into read statements thought out over days to concisely portray the essence of what they were and what brought them to their end. Unfortunate the thought that I don't know how to swim. Wow. Made that on the spot. 
After I just told he, him to write a poem about dinosaurs. And he apparently was using one of the very rare handwriting typewriters. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot like Nietzsche's writing ball, but more illegible. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow more illegible. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, so that, that interview with Bill Keys. So now I'm like less excited that I thought it was the same one. I was like, this you is know, fortuitous. <laughs> it's street poetry in New York. I mean, how many are there? Did he recite it for you when he gives it to you? No, he just he just typed it out and then he like made little edits because I guess with the old school typewriter, yeah. you kind of like you have to white yeah. out stuff. And yeah. um, he, made, he made white out edits of a poem. Usually, d- an instant poem. Usually like you just put the X there. You just hit X, 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 and it like, you know, crosses it, it, out, it out, crosses it out. Oh. Maybe. I'm old enough to remember typewriters that were actually in use in offices that had a backspace key that would automatically apply whiteout. That, that was like probably a was the peak technology. The yeah, peak, like and they're just like, okay, screw this. We're going to have computers now. And then Xerox and Steve Jobs step in, and they're like, excuse me. Because like every technology <laughs> has that moment where like, it's like steamships or something, like yeah. or like sail ships, or like they. Everyone was like working on making the typewriter the best thing ever, yeah. and then they're like, "Hey guys, computers!" And then like <laughs> all the smart people went from working on typewriters to working on computers. Well, yeah, and then the typewriter hit hit a peak, and that's like, well, we got to the whiteout, and then that was it. <laughs> the best Who example knows of this is uh, someone developed. There's actually a vinyl record that you can play a video off of. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it was developed. It took like tons of money and like a decade for, I don't, I don't know, Sony or whoever developed it from like 1975 to 1985. <clears throat> and by the time they finished it, it was totally obsolete. But you could actually, there is like YouTube videos where, um, and it was like one of the first home record, home video products. And it's a vinyl record. It's a, like, it's plastic and you insert it and it plays a needle and you can, see, and it shows a low resolution video. And what was notable about it to me is I like I do marketing copywriting as a living, and um, the uh, the commercial for it is perfect because they're literally trying to sell the audience on the idea of why you would want to own a home movie system, and um, it in the TV commercial the dad puts on a movie and the golden retriever and all two point five kids cuddle up with some popcorn, and mom, and um, he's like, we're about to watch a great movie. And you're watching us because you're watching <laughs> broadcast TV's commercial. And I was like, wow, that's such a good <laughs> copy line for why I want to own a VHS. Not this thing, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's well, it's just amazing how much money gets tossed at that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Ima- imagine if that product had been given a little bit of legs to laser to disc. Do, do you want well, laser disc was supposed to be better than that. Uh, um, What's it called the VHS, VHS, or, or B, and Betamax? Well, beta was Beta was better than VHS too, it, exactly. Too, but it wasn't like a, with every technology. There's like three that come out at the same time, and then like one gets the deal, yeah, it, and then wins. You know what's interesting too about that? Like the VHS versus Beta is like a famous format war, and you know it's usually like licensing or content. You know who has mm-hmm. what content that wins. That that's famous, and I think there's a number of those in like you know from the 70s and 80s that you could point to, but. We are in this era of like now there are tons of format wars. Like, um, it's not like there's one main uh, like consumer product that's fighting against another one to become the dominant thing for this like five year period. Like every goddamn thing is uh, is in a format war. I mean, there's like you know different site like Grubhub versus Seamless is kind of you know like that whole idiom of like fighting for consumer monopoly is just the entire culture now. Yeah. Do you know what I realized? You can order food off Yelp. I didn't know this. I think you can. I was looking at Yelp for something the other day and I was like, order food. And this was like, even the seamless Grubhub 
what, like Dude, Yelp is in it. Yelp yeah. is like firing shots like on the side. Well, that's the thing is that they can just kind of like as Yelp as the the review racketeers of the internet, like where they're just like, mm, it's, you got a real nice business here. It'd be a shame if somebody left some like <laughs> yeah. one star reviews. Like, <laughs> like um, you you know, better give us like twenty percent or whatever. Like ad space that you want to give us but um yeah, yeah it, well they, they kind of have the ability to do that they're like all right why don't we just take down yeah like because it is it's the same thing with like uber and lyft too or or even uh what's the what's the one where they actually treat the juno juno yeah yeah the drivers humanely and there's via too <laughs> oh yeah via. Via. i'm sure they do not treat the drivers humanely though. um but like even in that case where it's just this like oh that's like a race to the bottom essentially where they're just like okay who can crowd each other out because the the intellectual property around their actual platforms is pretty du- duplicatable it's like okay if you're building this on top of an api like google's api or something like that then it's like you just have a map and you're just the gps already exists is like baked into this so now you just have to figure out the model of where like you're going to pay how you're going to pay your independent contractors yeah. and whoever can crowd whoever out first whether that's delivery services it's like also with the delivery services if you notice that those have been like contracted out like now delivery guys are like these third-party guys they don't work for the yeah. stores it's like they work independently you know what blew just- my mind i worked with a guy who worked at fedex yeah he worked for fedex i thought he did he worked for a guy who has like a franchise from Fed- like fedex sells their delivery for like a certain area right. to somebody and then they manage oh, the trucks and yeah. the people wait yeah. um well actually well that's not that surprising. I did not know that, but that's not that surprising because I did know that they use the uh, USPS for like their major bulk, like cross country, like a good chunk of, I don't think a majority of, but a good chunk of the USPS's business is on behalf of, you know, getting contracted by UPS and FedEx yeah. and DHL or Ryder, whoever else. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the interesting thing. I mean, that's the whole debate right now going on with Amazon where it's like, okay, well, like the... Amazon still builds bu- builds their stuff on top of the postal services infrastructure, right? right? Like they they're using it in a way that like they get to deliver, it. and they pay them, they pay the postal service or whoever for the for those rights. But now that they've crowded out a certain amount of market share, or like crowded out of enough other people that are internet retailers, it's like okay, well now we can just kind of we 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 can the the lowball you, you know? and the post office is basically yet another piece of like government infrastructure that makes everyone's lives better and it allows like you know industry to flourish on top of it and then no one fucking respects it yeah even well, though the post office is actually a feat of efficiency and reach you know i mean like it's actually a really impressive thing and it constantly gets shit on because everyone's like oh the mail i send email what about you i know that's so frustrating. Trying to mail things, at least for me personally, like I, my family's in the Virgin Islands. Oh yeah. So like if I try to mail them anything, UPS is like $55, FedEx is like $70. It's insane to yeah. mail like a piece of paper. Yeah. Post <laughs> office, put a stamp on it. Yeah. The USO, get, universal three days, service right. obligation. It's nuts. That, so that's like, that, like, that's, that is the best part. Like that, it's something it there was also like a really good, I guess the, this is about the Royal Mail, but it's a similar, similar concept. Uh, uh, the a Top Gear episode where they race like a, they race like a high end sports car, like Versus a piece of mail they sent from like far southwest Wales to like northeast Scotland, and they're like, okay, this is like a million, essentially a million dollar car versus a twenty five, um, you know, twenty five pence stamp uh, <laughs> racing, and obviously the Royal Mail one like by yeah. three days or something like that. Well, the plane uh, one, yeah, yeah exactly. Right? The, well, pl- the, plane, the plane that delivered the plane it. The plane that that delivered infrastructure because the the last, I mean, like Uber is trying to figure out how is now figuring out how hard last mile is. Like that is not a small feat, you know, like. 
getting it from the plane onto a truck and to a tri-tech machine that like puts it in just the right thing. Like it's incredible what they're able to do. Growing up in the U.S. Virgin Islands, you said you went to a Tim Duncan basketball camp. Is that true? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I that when did you hear that story? You told me sometime. It might have okay. Been I mean, the, the yeah. Spurs did do their preseason camp. Oh, nice. In 2005. So, so like, so like October 2005. Yeah. And my dad was press for like the scrimmage, which was sold out. Yeah. And yeah. like was the biggest event in the Virgin <laughs> Islands that whole Who did they play? Year. They played a scrimmage. They played themselves. Oh, themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was won. basically Inter- like a, uh, it was basically an open practice a practice where tickets were selling for fifty bucks. Because I mean, just Tim Duncan, he's a, he's a yeah. hero. Um, I have a question. I was thinking about this with Obama recently. Um, he's from a tropical paradise. You're from a tropical paradise. Is it like something where you like know you're going to retire there because you come from a place I that's unimprovable? I have to be honest, and now I'm going on record. Well, we can, we can delete this out if you want. <laughs> so we'll no, just like I, people are like, do you want to ever want to go back? Like you must want to go back. And I feel like when I first left, you know, I was like still and like kind of wanted to be home. You know, when it's I was like in college, homesick. I was like, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. homesick. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll go back. And now I'm like, no, <laughs> not for me. Yeah, like I loved it, loved growing up there, but like. There is a certain a certain group of people who like love it there. There's a certain group of people who leave and never come back. You know, I there's people who like are is- are like biding their time. Like I know people who are like in New York, you know, studying, working to get experience so they can go home and start their own business. But I'm like, I, I feel like I lived it and I love going back, but don't want to go live. Well, as Thomas Wolfe said, you can't go home again. Uh, no, no. <laughs> but like, like, what is the reason that you would you, that you like? Is it just there, there's not is there lack of opportunity or something or like you? Don't I like the climate? it just <laughs> it's a small town that you can't drive anywhere. You know, I feel like I I have now I haven't even lived there that long. If you look at my life, you know, like the the yeah. time that I actually lived in the Virgin Islands was yeah. ten years, and I'm thirty, so twenty years yeah, yeah. Uh, is spent elsewhere. Yeah, so I'm like. I actually don't yeah. have much. Okay. Do you are, have you? But it's all the formative years. So like, f- have yeah. you physically acculturated to it? Like, do you like things really hot? Do you like it to be humid? I is actually funny because my my uh, current like sleeping situation is like I didn't have any AC last summer. Yeah. Just because I was like, my my room is really like my apartment's really old. Yeah. So I can't even run two ACs. Right. And my roommate's from Texas, so he runs it starting yeah. like last week <laughs> to like yeah. October, and yeah. I'm like, that's insane because yeah. you just get a good fan, and you know you open a window and like you're good. Yeah. And I feel like not that I'm like it hot, but I certainly grew up with it hot. I tell her that's that's what drives me nuts about people. Just from mosquitoes. Like, to, I the, hate- yeah, and man. people from Texas or like southern states that are just like so addicted to AC because I grew up in New York, but also we didn't have central, we didn't have AC growing up, and I'm just like I just deal. I actually like the heat. I like being. I would much prefer to be hot than to be cold. If that makes six thirty p.m. eighty three degrees in the shade. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> in like mid July, late June. Yeah. That's my perfect time. Yeah, hell yeah. See, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, and, and, like, and here you uh, are I'm saying so, you don't want to go we're both back baseball to the fans Caribbean. Too. No, but I'm <laughs> saying like up here, down there, it's sweltering. Yeah. I mean, it's very humid. Yeah. I yeah. think it's funny because I you I get off the plane and the, the plane's AC and yeah. it's like, wow. And then you get off and you're like, oh my God, it's beautiful. Yeah. And then you start sweating and then you don't stop sweating yeah. until you until get you back, back in the plane. plane. <laughs> yeah. So you're basically sweating the whole time. And yeah. then you don't even remember that until you get home and you're like, oh, right. The whole time I'm just going to be sweating and dehydrated. 
hydrated. And I'm like, get up off the couch. And like, yeah. I'm dizzy. And I'm like, mom, something's wrong with me. She's like, how much water have you drank today? I was like, I had a coffee. Like, you can't do that <laughs> yeah, here. That's your problem. It's like, you do have to drink twice as much water. Um, now lick your own arm right now and hydrate. Yeah. It'd, it, be, it'd be fascinating to somehow like magically sort like everybody to their latitude of comfort mm. and see where everyone ends up. That is that the, is the losers of that of that uh, game are the Sicilians, of which I'm half descendant because they're very complaining, they're very oily, they do not do well in the heat, and they're from a very hot place. So uh, they're like That's why they immediately so much on, crime. Exactly, probably because <laughs> they're so irascible because they're in the wrong latitude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's an interesting idea. I don't know. I always think I was like, you just like shove every. Okay, we're, some people love it cold all the time. It's like, well, great, go to Maine. Yeah, person. It's like I, there is Canada. there is something to be said for uh, oh, a nice wool blanket in the winter. But I mean, telling you, July second shade at seven. Yeah, six thirty seven. Yeah, on a really nice hot day. Uh, well, that's perfect. A, I agree. I think though there is. I I lived in my, New York my whole life, and I still hate winter. And people always ask that. They're like, "Well, why don't you move someplace like warmer? Like, why don't you move if you just really like spring and summer? Why don't you move someplace warmer?" But I'm like, I think I can only really appreciate the heat in juxtaposition to like when it's cold out. So like after a long winter, like coming out of winter into spring and summer, this is that much more gratifying to me. I feel I feel like you just the hedonistic principle of like human adjustment to those kind of things. I, if I just lived in Florida or whatever other stupid place that it's like warm. All like year the Virgin right. Islands. Yeah. Or the Virgin Islands. There's no like, seasons. Yeah. You just be like, okay. Arcane season, tourist season. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, it. <laughs> that's how it's like, it's almost like a uh, monitoring like migrations of birds. You're like, Oh, hurricanes are going to come. A lot of, a lot of like a lot of fat people from Wisconsin all of a sudden aren't here anymore. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you want to hear a Brooklyn to or a Caribbean to Brooklyn migration story? Yes. Um, my, when I lived in prospect left for Chardons in like 2012, uh, I lived above in a house owned by and above this Jamaican woman. And she had no trees on her property um, because she came from a place where trees were things that would fall in your house in a hurricane. And um, she had to, like, you know, haggle with the city and, like, her neighbors made fun of her because she, like, went through all this effort. But she's like, I don't care. I don't want a tree on my property. They're just trouble. And she looked stupid at the time to her neighbors who were all also, like, from the island. Um I will never do that again. Um, <laughs> and uh, because, you know, we, like, like, hurricanes, know don't, West too. <laughs> hurricanes don't come up this far. And then Hurricane Sandy happened. <laughs> now hurricanes do come up this far. And our neighbor, the house immediately next door to us, had a tree falling on their patio. Have oh. you ever seen a tree fall in a house? Yeah. They yeah. will fuck your shit up. Yeah. Like, yeah. they're solid, heavy, went tall. They're coming the hard. Yeah. yeah. And, like, you have branches come through the window. They don't care. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. bad. Well, that's how the first person died in Sandy. Was it some guy in Queens? Someone died in, in my neighborhood. They were oh, walking really? their dog. Yeah, it was like oh, wow. there's like how many deaths because of Sandy in all of New York? There's yeah, like eight. And well, I think one of them was was in my neighborhood. I went to Ditmas Park during Sandy. I, I don't have any Sandy stories because I was literally in a suspended animation of like just drinking constantly, like going to bed at 7 a.m., like wondering if I had to go to work and stuff. That was, hey, the, lady, the, that was the rest of the city, too. <laughs> I think well, we were, I, but some people like rode, their, the Rockaways, rode right? their bikes and, you know, like experience what lower Manhattan's like without I any did electricity. Yeah. And I was like, I also want to do that. I don't own a bike. So I went on Craigslist and I found this uh, Russian guy in Ditmas Park who was selling a bike. And uh, it was like really cheap. It was like 50 bucks or something. I was like, oh, hell yeah. So I walked down there and um, it's like stupid me for thinking this Russian guy was going to give me a, you know, a deal on anything. And I got there and it was very overtly a kid's bike. 
And I was like, uh, I don't think this is what you said it was. <laughs> and he's like, no, it was, it was, you buy, you buy. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Never mind. I just went to church's chicken and went home. You, you could have just walked to Manhattan, too. I probably could have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, my, well, the, the, uh, the only thing that happened in Park Slope was a couple trees fell. And then, like, that was the thing. Up here, everyone was just, like, doing that. It was like, oh, do I have to go to work? Or, like, we're just all hanging out, like, drinking beer. And then I went, at the time, I, was, I had just finished up a job with the mayor's office, but was, like, kind of doing some contract work with them. And I went down to Red Hook. And the as the crow flies, that's, like, a mile and a half, two miles from here. But it was, like two different worlds like just downhill you're like oh my god the sea level rose to like the point like the first yeah. floor on these bu- these buildings and up wow. like up the hill FYI people are brunching the hell out of things <laughs> the, the organization I work at uh, in the Lower East Side like is part of a broader coalition of nonprofits in the Lower East Side mm. that formed because of Hurricane Sandy because oh. they're like oh my god Hurricane Sandy happened and nobody knew what to do and it's like we need to organize all of our resources you know, there's like radios and emergency plans and like, you know, there's, there's all sorts of studies being done. And it's, it's all very like in preparation for the next event because it's now it's not. Is there going to be a hurricane? It's, it's, it's like, yeah. well, they're coming up here now. And, and, uh, that, and was, the sea that was arising. where that Con Ed site was, right? That got flooded. The uh, yeah, the one's like, what, 14th Street? It's at 14th Street. Street. Yeah. Oh, it's at 14th yeah. Street. It's right by Stytown. I remember hearing that in their preparations, that was not included in the city's like worst case scenario. And it's like the worst case scenario should that phrase should involve like the Ark of the Covenant. How could you not have foreseen that like a surge was going to get into the like power station and knock it out? Right. I, I can imagine 50 levels before worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is there's nothing left. Yeah, yeah. that's right, worst right. case scenario. Yeah. Let's work yeah. backwards from that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what what do you do now? What is your organization? I mean, my my day job. Yeah, this is actually I was thinking about this on the way over. It's like this might have been a better thing to talk about. Oh, it's like, well, I work at a homelessness prevention organization yeah. in Lower East Side, and it's like I quit my job at a financial startup a couple of years ago, and was like, fuck it, I'm gonna figure something else out. And I ended up getting a job in uh, communications and development at a nonprofit because it's like design stuff, copywriting, marketing, you know, all this website stuff, but like also like doing a lot of good and like email marketing, but like all for a good cause, not for yeah. like financial stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've been there almost four years now and like have done a lot, uh, you know, to like make our brand better and like make our information better and our data better and our, you know. What, what's the name of the organization? What is it? Uh, it's called Nazareth Housing. Mm. Um, and again, it's homelessness prevention. Um, we have like shelter, we have supportive housing, but our real uh, bread and butter is like keeping families from becoming homeless at all, which yeah. is a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so we impact like over 8,000 people a year. Oh, wow. Um, and then, like, through our tax, we do free tax returns um, for if you make, like... Is it Vita? It's, vi- it's a Vita tax a site. Volunteer. It's a Vita tax yep. site, and it's, like, God's work. Yep. You know? I did uh, Vita volunteer work for four years. Yeah. And, you know, people come in, and, you know, they, they are behind. They haven't filed for the last three years or something, or they're just, like, confused, or maybe they don't speak English, and, you know, maybe they're undocumented, and they're afraid that if they file, you know, there's all sorts of reasons. Yeah. And they come in, and it's just, it's 100% free, and file it, you get your return, and we did, like, 1.4 million this year to, like, 1,400 people. Nice. Um, but when you come in, like, a lot of people, like, the, you know, the, the person filing taxes, the volunteer, will be like, hey, I noticed, like, you're having some, like, issues with, like, you know, debt, 
you know, or like credit repair. Yeah. Like, well, you can speak to a financial coach. And next thing you know, like they're completely fixing their life, you know, but they come in to file their taxes and then it leads to like, oh, hey, like, like you they, know, they, we have a food good, pantry. It's like a good can, pipeline. Yeah, into it's the, a great yeah. gateway. It is both a service that people need and is absolutely in demand. It connects people to other services that do a lot. Of, and you actually get to see like a tangible outcome. You're like, hey, I helped somebody file their taxes for free and, and got, save them a couple hundred bucks on something that's that's a material it, is this like four month like marathon where like people are, are are working there four days a week, you know, taking off their other line job um, to like do this. But that's where we have so many people come in. there like at risk. Mm-hmm. And we you know, there are people that came for taxes and now two years later, yeah. they're like applying for nursing school. And yeah, you're like, yeah, wow, yeah, holy, like yeah. two years ago, you're a waitress getting yeah. paid on the table. And now you're applying for nursing school and like getting 4.5. That's GPA. really interesting. It's insane. You know, because you always hear about like the, you know, how onerous it is to have to do your income taxes as this just dr- drain on society. But it sounds like in the case of some vulnerable people, um, it's actually kind of a way to get. Um, finance involved. Like they talk in social work about like justice involved. You know, if you've somehow been part of the justice system like kind of sucked into it but the like there's yeah like i don't know what it's actually called but finance involved like you like having to do your taxes and maybe bringing it to someone who actually knows like identifies a way that you can do something better or like you know telling you about opportunities you didn't know were there um like that's an annual juncture at which you can actually have that positive input well the, the way i understand it is like taxes are such a window, like a non, like you can't lie about like financial stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the numbers won't lie. Yeah. And someone who is up. trained yeah. can say like, there's, there's an issue here and here's why you're living off 200 bucks a week or, or something yeah. like that. And I feel like of all the ways to really find out the most about someone's uh, situation, and like helping them fix it in a very tangible, measurable way. Taxes are so huge. And they, it's just like from the outside, you're like, ugh, tax volunteer, no thank you. Yeah, no, that's But like a, yeah. it is the most important it's, way to help people. Um, where do you uh, fall on the like um, the kind of, uh, as you know, de Blasio has just started another um, like tenure. And uh, I think that affordable housing and I think his kind of, I don't want to say failures on affordable housing, but I think that a lot of people were kind of underwhelmed with the progress that he made. Do you have any view on that? Like how it's been? Is it, have you seen it being getting better? Well, obviously affordable housing is like the, the solution is one of the solutions. And, and if everyone had, if we had more affordable housing, that'd be great. Mm. You know, there'd be less people that were being pushed out of people really high street. rent yeah. spaces. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think what, I have learned being in my current organization for, for three and a half years is that if there were more organizations like us, if we had more funding, if we had more staff to have a broader reach to find people who were like three, four, six months a year from being homeless, like going down that track, then you don't have to build a building. You just, help people, you know, that have been laid off and have medical bills and you can cut you know, it off at the past. It's, it's you, like you guys can you guys are tracking the, the indicators. Putting that, a like, dollar right. towards prevention, towards putting a right. dollar towards right. you know anything else is and and what are the things that lead to homelessness often? 
Well, it's usually like shocking events. It's like medical job loss. Um, those are like pretty big. Yeah. It's like, obviously if you have a huge medical bill, you know, yeah. you're not gonna be able to pay your bills. If you have a job loss, you're not gonna be able to pay your bills. Right. Um, that's usually the two big things. There's a lot of like, you know, credit issues where people like take out huge loans for school and then they don't pay them back for whatever reason. Right. Like there's a lot of like financial decisions that lead to, uh, you know, creditors coming for your stuff and then you can't, you can't fall behind and then you're pushed out, whatever it's like, but job loss medical. Yeah. Usually well, pretty big. Well, if we live in the Bernie universe soon, everyone will have guaranteed jobs and free healthcare. So <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, you know, we were joking glibly before about like treating Uber drivers and Lyft drivers well, but I read a Twitter thread the other day about, um, someone in San Francisco who works in homeless prevention. And, um, he had to take like a client of his to fill out some paperwork on the way there. He took a lift and on the way back, he took a lift and on both trips, the driver overheard him talking with them about their um, situation. And both drivers pulled him aside saying yeah. they were themselves in precarious living situations and like were very close to being homeless. And like, it, I mean, no, it, like, you know, I, that's, I think, um, you know, for someone like me who, when, uh, during the election, I was like, Bernie, all this stuff is like a pipe dream, you know, it can't happen. Um, but, and I still think that like, you know, I think that, you know, what, who had the more realistic route to actually doing what they were saying, like Clinton versus Bernie is kind of a moot point at the, like now, but the idea that this is possible and becoming more and more prevalent, um, has just radicalized so many people of our generation. And like, we real, I mean, like, hopefully you're dealing Sander right now with like the worst that we as a society let it get, you know what I mean? Like it has to turn around well, at, that, that's what, at yeah. a policy level. I agree because, well, that's, it's not so much of a, I, that I, well, I just, I, you and I disagreed with that beforehand because I just don't think it is that much of a pipe dream because previously we thought, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a pipe dream. I think that now that we're kind of through the looking glass, yeah. it needs to be a priority that we should absolutely not accept this as a status quo. Right. Which is kind of like, I guess the cool thing about living now where we're just like, okay, well then if this is the reality we live in, then why don't we just, why don't we radically rethink everything? And think right. about like what kind of equitable society we want to live in, you know. Um, well, it's always shocking when you see those like uh, even the New York Times they they publish that budget like graphic. They always make great graphics, but yeah. they had the the Trump budget like the latest one. Yeah, and it was like everything that I personally was like we should definitely have more of like schools and right. like healthcare yeah, and yeah. like yeah. all the you know all the good things housing yeah it was all negative oh, it, was it was like it was like we're going to take yeah. half of this out and then it was like military boom and like all this yeah and what we need more is F35s that don't work and the insane <laughs> thing to me is that on you know th this is a guy who totally usurped the republican ideology ran to the left on on labor and and yet it's an ideological aversion to those things. You know, it's not it's no it's based in no kind of actuarial analysis of it. And it's like at the same time as we are moving as a, you know, kind of our demographic is going so far to the left and like pr kind of getting more comfortable with really radical solutions to this stuff that the same super populist base that elected Trump is okay with the idea of on an ideological level, not helping anyone, not doing anything to make these situations better. Yeah, I think it's such a weird, weird conundrum. I think though that that that's got a short 
that's like a rocket fuel that's being consumed real fast and it's going to burn out real fast because I think when those people's material circumstances don't get any better anyway, then they're just going to I be don't like, think, I don't, yeah. I don't know. They're, they're not doing well. Yeah. Like, I know, you know they're already, well, that's why, heads and West but Virginia that's what I'm saying. That well. They're, they're, they, they have already, they threw the Hail Mary because they're like, well, at least somebody's appealing to us. Meth heads in West Virginia who are supporting Don Blankenship right oh, yeah, now, our true. favorite guy. Do you, you Did know you about, see that video? Yeah, yeah. yeah Cocaine yeah. Mitch. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the China people, when the China people are coming. And uh, Actually, no, he spoke way slower than that. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, there's like miraculously two kids he's yeah, holding. Yeah, two, two. <sighs> he's like, one day, children. one day I'm going to blow you up in a mine. It's just, like, I, I don't even know anymore. This guy who, yeah. I mean, if anybody doesn't know who he is, Don Blankenship ran a mine that was so poorly overseen and so flagrantly in violation of code that it exploded, killing some hardworking Americans. It was like 38, right? It was a couple dozen. For it. Yeah. He went to prison for it. I mean, that's yeah. how bad... I mean, you can imagine how liable a West Virginia And how did he get off? He was like, well, I didn't intentionally do it. It was like, it was, there's... I didn't write the match. Like, I only thought about it. Legal. And now he's running, and he's like, he's like the, the Roy Moore of West Virginia right now, and he's like, doing well. That's yeah. my point. Like, what, I don't... I just don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's a good point. Well, anyway... Else is depressing. Well, let's talk about. Well, uh, I guess we're, let's talk about it before because we, we're closing it. I, this last segment I wanted to do. Since we were all podcasting, we kind of had this conversation, and this is like a meta podcast, right? Sandra, you produce podcasts, but like podcasts you produce, I think I like to think of them as little like vignettes or storytelling a little bit, like yeah. kind of like I'd imagine you're kind of modeling like a like almost like an NPR seg- like a short NPR segment or something. Yeah, well, like it's that, ca- it's kind of like documentary style and I started mm-hmm. actually the first ones I made I didn't have any voiceover mm-hmm. in the last, you know, little bit I've been doing more voiceover and I was like getting more comfortable with that cuz mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well this story doesn't make any sense unless I like connect these two dots, but the f- I had a lot of fun having like little like not even there, like it's almost like you're like pulling open the curtain and you're like taking a look at someone's life and you're, like you're closing it a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Studs Turkle style. Um, so it's very fun. Um, and I kind of liked not being a part of it. Um, but it's like knowing you, you have to know going into that. You're going to, you're going to be as, as non-involved as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just took this, I just went to Columbia this weekend. It is oral history, these oral history workshops. Oh, nice. And it's like the whole thing, the, what the takeaway, the, uh, the, weekend was like ask well-researched questions that get people to talk for a while and then do not talk and like just sit back let them go because who knows where they're gonna wander that's that was also in the larry king book that's what larry king larry king was like figure out a really good question and ask them and what they're gonna be they're gonna talk ad nauseum about and then let it ride yeah Um, yeah uh, which is good advice which well, we don't take. <laughs> well, we also have a good storyteller, which is very hard, I yeah. think, because, you know, I just did a video for our organization. Like, there are some people who are very good at speaking, and there are some people who are very, like, they won one-sentence answers, and you're like, well, you have to you have to get somebody. I mean, Larry King was probably is great because he had world leaders come on his show. It's like, well, they're not going to be duds. Mm. Um, but finding a, a regular person on the street who has an interesting story it's like they're probably not gonna the chances of them being a very good orator yeah might not be there yeah might not be high yeah well so is that what so what intrigues you about the medium is that it's a, an, a, 
a vehicle for telling stories. Well, it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you I know, think we like it? video, like video and like, uh, there's like video. Okay. Now you got to light things yeah. and you got to get the lens and you got to match it up and you got to do the, um, sticks. Um, make sure, <laughs> make sure everything, sticks. make sure everything matches up. And I'm yeah. like, okay, that is so great that people spend so much time doing that. But like for just getting out there and just recording a story and, kind of capturing someone it's almost like a challenge like i like to kind of reverse psychology myself and just be like no it's harder and it's mm-hmm. going to be more creative because you only have audio mm. but in reality it's probably just an act of laziness you, and cheapness you could do the radio lab thing and just put in a bunch of obnoxious sound effects i mean that was like the first actually podcast i got into I was actually, when I moved here and I was like riding the train all the time Yeah, and yeah. my, my roommate was like, you gotta get in a podcast, man. Yeah. I was like, what? Podcasts are designed for, it was like, I was downloading them on my iPod. Yeah. Oh <laughs> man. The classic, the OG podcasting, <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> yeah. like it, it was designed for us in a, in the middle of a failing, uh, public transit system to just be like, I guess I could just need soothing <laughs> people's voices to calm yeah. me down. <laughs> the MTA should subsidize podcasts because without them, how would people stand there? Well, they do service? the audio books, don't they? They do. Or they give you the free book to read. Yeah. I, I will say I very much, I very much respect the fact that you can do things so short because it is hard. Yeah. It is really hard it, to cut it's down. It's so, well, this is what I have. I took a class at Brick, which is great. And the, the instructor was like, you have to transcribe everything. I was uh, like, you can't what? do anything until you transcribe it. And everyone's like, what? You mean I got to go through an hour of interview? And it takes, she says, three times the amount to transcribe. If you have an hour, it takes three hours yeah. to transcribe all that. I mean, maybe shorter if you're fast. But like, and I didn't believe it, but I had like 20 minutes or 30 minutes of tape and I did it. Couldn't believe how fast the story came together because you can just read it and you can just you can just right. yeah, I would I would read through it and I would highlight okay this is him talking about how this and this is him talking about this topic and then you just you you group those together and then you you order those the way you want them. I've experienced something like that with case studies, like you know, in my I do I, I'm a content marketer, so I, um, which sounds like it's a job that you voluntarily left, which is awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, like I will interview like a client and then, you know, cut it. Then I will, it's has to get transcribed because I'm writing it out, but it it totally does help the story come together. I have not yet. I haven't tried anything like that with, uh, in the realm of podcasting, but I could totally see how it'd be valid. Especially if you just focus on one thing. Like I did a, I did a, an episode or like a quote unquote episode, whatever. I did a little project in August that was just about like people moving to New York. I love that and one. I Deanna moved, and yeah, Weiner. it was like Deanna, yeah. Matthew, and yeah. um, I have another friend, Lucy. Yeah. And I just was like, okay, they said a lot of great things and I had a lot of great stories, and like good backstories, but I just needed the things that were the most like evocative, you know, imagery. Like Matthew told the story about like arriving in New York right as there was like a huge blizzard. And like there was the same night that the plane flew off at LaGuardia oh, yeah, with that and he's like, and then the next day he went to Prospect Park and like it was snowing and he's from Georgia yeah. and like his first time, it was like the first time he was like in this place and it was so quiet yeah. and it was like a beautiful imagery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a it, great one. That was your first one you posted too. I think, that was right? the right. first one I posted in that style Yeah, yeah. where I was like getting really, really short. I like that one a lot. We'll share the link to that too. And yeah. Then, yeah. We'll, uh, because I thought that was a great segment. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. Um, but yeah, if you go with it, go in with a plan and just follow it through. It's nice. all good. All right. Well, what do you uh, What are you plugging and working on? Uh, nothing really. I'm just doing stuff at the brick. Yeah. Um, but Sandra, what do you? So 
you, you have your podcast, but you yeah. Um, but I think I'm not sure if I can like. T- I guess we haven't really officially announced it yet, but Moon Cruise coming back. I know, that's pretty official. Um, I, I've seen it on the calendar. June 22nd, June 29th. Which and is I'll be really working fun. on that too. I hope so. Um, unless you don't, unless you fire me. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. not at all. Uh, it's just like it's gonna. It's going to be great. We're doing episode four. We didn't even talk about it this whole time, but that's like the biggest w- what thing. Is, what is Moon Crew? Uh, Moon Crew started as a question. Um, so the question is, if you had uh, three months, would you rather have three months all expenses paid uh, to Europe, like travel around Europe three months, or go to the moon? For three months? Oh, I, for- I think it's like, in the way I, I follow up with that is imagine that, Three months starts tomorrow, and you can either go to Europe for three months, or you can go to Cape Canaveral and like train, and then go to the moon. And like three months, it'll. I would be over. the moon. There you go. Thank you. Uh, great, great answer. Know. Yeah, I would also choose the moon. So yeah, this is like people. Whenever they pick the answer, it's very passionate in one way or the other. Well, because uh, here's the thing: unless I get I guess that I've also offer been to Europe, so it's just kind of yeah. Like, that's well, true. Was, it I would, is true. If but, I got that offer, not from like a genie sitting in front of me, but like in a let's say direct mailing. I'd be like, everybody's going to choose the moon. I'm going to be different. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that, that, I think that speaks to like our plot, both Lenny, why Lenny and I are friends is because we're like, no, we got to do the other thing. We got to, we're the, those What's the shortest line. Okay, cool. Wait, you're telling but me I can go somewhere where there's no one else. Yeah. Yes. But it started out with that question, but the, it started out with the, that. We, were, we, we had gone, we'd been to the annoyance theater for a jam, an improv jam, and we were all getting drinks afterwards. When I asked this question, this question, I was like keen on asking everybody and we were just laughing about it being like oh my god can you imagine going us us going to the moon we'd be doing backflips you know in the space station or whatever and then we started laughing about like who are these characters that are like doing backflips and we're like came up with this idea for like sending like on the most dangerous mission to the moon who do you send you don't send the heroes you send the expendable people right which we, is which is very like armageddon again yeah, you know yeah um but it ended up evolving to not be like you know these people are idiots it's like they're they are idiots, but they are very. They were on this mission for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like they are good at what they do, and we've done. We did episode one in fall of 2016. We did episode two in the spring of 2017. The theater closed. We did um, episode three uh, a month and a half ago, and then we're gonna do episode four in a month and a half. Episode wow. three was great. I did the tech. It was so much fun. Episode three. Episode three. It was kind of funny. I told Annie this. Annie's a programming director at, at the Brick, and she was at the Annoyance too. So she kind of knew Brooklyn us. Comedy Collective. Uh, at the um, Brick the uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, but I told her, like, she's like, okay, you know, the, in the email, she's like, okay, like, what what dates like can't you get like can't you do? And I was like, well, anything after the twenty third. And she, sure enough, we got the twenty third, and we're like, shit, we have a month yeah. to like write forty five pages, rehearse it, and like. It's I've never been more stressed over something like it just the process of creating that thing was such a battle. Yeah. But the end result was like so fun. You and guys, like, it's like watching a live cartoon. That's what my it, favorite part of the show is. If somebody very, gave me a yeah. humongous pile of money to do yeah. this, it would be a cartoon. It would be Archer style. One hundred percent. Because we you know, you want to go to a planet where they're like clams the size of an empire state building like yeah. that you're like that's the boss you're fighting mm-hmm. but you know we're doing this all on a stage yeah. so everything everyone's like human oid yeah. um but this next one's gonna be fun it's gonna be murder and that's june 20th or how many days tw- uh, 22nd and 29th, 29th said, so yeah. it's like a little over a month and a half 
Okay, wow. Um, but luckily, we have a month and a half of lead time. Thank God. Yeah. Um, but that being said, we knew we could do it in a month now. Now we're like, okay, well, like yeah. if push comes to shove, four weeks, we can do a show that will be something. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm excited. I've, Dude, I'm every time I've, yeah, I, awesome. every, I've either been a audience member or worked on it. It's June been, uh, 22nd, 29th, 9.30. At the Brooklyn Brick, Comedy Collective. Brooklyn Comedy Collective. That's the annoying thing about it. It's the Brooklyn Comedy Collective at the Brick Theater. Like yep. it's, it's a couple of stages yep. to sing. Um, and also doing a... I've been working on this other show that's kind of just been this long process of development called Staggers and Jags, which is about... Uh, it's basically Cheers, but with a musical... And it's like pirates and stuff and, you know, sea captains and Medusa's in it. And me and a, a friend of mine are, are the two like bar owners. And we just like want to get along with everybody and sing songs and drink all day. Who's the but, Ted dancing in the scenario? Uh, <laughs> probably me. I mean, but honestly, I'm more of like a cliff, more, uh, my okay. character. Yeah. And then uh, Riley's more like a Riley Taggart's more like a coach busy man yeah. i know sander it's uh i mean i feel like also the one thing that we didn't get to do today but hopefully if we have you back again on the near future we you alluded to your your moon question or europe question yeah. i feel like since i've known you you're what i one of my favorite parts of our friendship is you're the guy who's always got the like a good would you rather interview style Wait, question can i ask you yeah i wrote down a question i want to ask you guys. okay let's do it yeah okay so you have to ask each other this question what I'd miss so much about you is like, if you guys like never saw each other again, uh, if you like broke up, what do I, should I say it? So you, you say it to Brian, this is like that. New you you say, you say thing. what I'd miss so much about you is what I'd miss so much about you is your jollity, <laughs> uh, and your, ability your magical ability to make time disappear when we're having <laughs> conversations about the dumbest shit in the world um yeah what i'd miss most about you is uh i think it's why we started this podcast because you and i are i, I feel very less alone with you as my friend because you're the only one who will engage me on these such wide subjects and have a long conversation yeah me too <laughs> all right there you go that's a good one and now we're breaking up. This is the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, Sandra Randall. Well, no, actually, your marriage is stronger now. Yeah, I know. That's so, like, well, that's like the love questionnaire that the Times did yeah. two years ago. And that's what Meg and I did on our first date. So and now that's so it worked. The Times used their hypnosis on us to make it. Damn. Yeah. That's good. Make it a working relationship. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Sandra, thank you so much for coming on. 